Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. For the month of January, our focus will be prayer. For the first week of January, we'll be praying and fasting together. Not only as a church, but we're praying and fasting as churches and campus ministries in 80 nations around the world. I'd like to ask everybody present here today to participate in this moment of prayer and fasting. For some of you, it may be the very first time that you've ever set aside time to really pray and fast and seek God in this way. Uh, But we have something that will help everybody. If you have not received this, just outside the door, pick it up today. It's a little booklet. It's called Amazing Grace. It's our theme for our prayer and fasting moment this week. Uh, Every year, our global family, every nation, fasts and prays for a week. And so this talks talks about why we fast, how we fast. How many have picked this up already? You got it. Awesome. How many need to get it? All right. There are more, so get it outside. How many of you have it with you right now? All right. Open it up. Share it with somebody beside you. I'm going to do a quick summary overview of this so that you can get started. So our last meal will be tonight at um, Sunday night. So beginning Monday, we're not eating. We're not eating. And, and don't try to gorge yourself at midnight. That, it's not good. You're going to wake up hungrier than you normally would be. So uh, there's a way to practice this. But there are enormous benefits to fasting, spiritual, uh, physical, mental, emotional. And uh, if you've never done it before, again, make sure you proceed with wisdom. But I'll go briefly through some of this. Um, this is a practical guide to fasting. Why fast? Anybody want to know why? Yes. Fasting is a spiritual tool God uses to advance his kingdom. Isn't that good? Change the destiny of nations. Did you ever see that? That fasting is a tool that can be used to change the destiny of nations. Here's a book I want to recommend. It's written by Derek Prince. It's called Shaping History Through Prayer and Fasting. A lot of the change that God does in the world does when his people pray and fast. You see this not only in the pages of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, but this is true in our own time. There are events, historical events, which you've heard about, read about in the news, but the backdrop is really what God had his people doing, but it doesn't necessarily get broadcasted as good news, but it is the really good news of what God has done. How many remember the DC sniper? How many remember how he got caught? Here's what you didn't hear on the news. Truck drivers late at night praying on their radio, asking God to reveal them. And they found him. No one's going to report that. What kind of change could happen in your life, in your family, in your city, in our nation, if we would just pray and fast? When we work, we work. When we pray, he works. So this is a book you want to read. It'll really help you understand some things there. So I'm going to drop that. That's my book. Don't come grab it. Um, Not only does it change the destiny of nations, spark revival. How many know we need revival in the church? We need revival in the church and we need an awakening in our nation. It also brings victory in people's lives. Does anybody at all need some kind of breakthrough? Have you ever felt like you're kind of walking through mud or molasses and there's just something you can't seem to shake? Prayer and fasting, breakthrough. Right? So these are things we take very seriously. Um, Every nation, churches and campus ministries begin each new year with five days of prayer and fasting to humble ourselves before God, consecrate ourselves to him before the upcoming year, and corporately agree for breakthroughs. Jesus fasted. Jesus fasted. 
How many of you are followers of Jesus? How many know when Jesus said, follow me, he wasn't talking about Facebook? (laughs) Follow me means live like I live. So everything he does, he expects us to do, and he gives us his Holy Spirit to do it. So if Jesus fasts and we follow him, we fast. So our reason and motivation is him. Anybody ever work out? Yeah, anybody ever work out with a trainer? Have you noticed that the trainer actually has you do the work? And if they do a good job, you leave sore, right? We sometimes have a mindset, it's a false mindset, that Jesus is our trainer, and we watch him work out and go, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. Wow, you're amazing. You're amazing. And an hour later, we leave and give him a towel. No, Jesus actually stands and says, you bench that. Then you say, you can't. Then he says, let me give you my spirit. Then you bench it. That's what Jesus does. He trains you. Sunday morning is not an end all. It's a locker room moment where we worship our coach, Jesus, and then we go play the game all day, all week. Anybody balling for Jesus this week? You need to come back next week and talk about what Jesus did, how he made moves with you. All right. Here's the verse, Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Who led him? Who leads us? Look where he was led, into the wilderness. No more of this, God, why'd you lead me here? If he led his son into the wilderness, where might he lead you? Everybody went, mmm. Mmm. I'll say it for you, amen. There was a reason why he did it. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, we're not going to fast 40 days and 40 nights. We're fasting five days. Don't you feel better already? We did a 40-day fast years ago. We'll probably do it again. And we need to fast and pray for the entire month because as we enter into our new property, Chris Boss and I were talking about this yesterday. He's been praying. He's one of the elders in our church. And recognize we're not just entering into a property. We're entering into a season. What I'm most grateful for about the acquisition of the property at 3118th Street, where you're going to be on February 9th, is not the property. It's God fulfilling his promise. It's not the property. Buildings, cars, everything gets old. But the faithfulness of God, that's eternal. That's what gets loaded on your hard drive, and it allows you to live life supernaturally because you know how faithful he is. So you trust him, you trust his words, and you move forward with him without unbelief. God promised that he would do this in three years, and he did it in three years. So I'm more amazed at him fulfilling his promise, less astonished about the fact that we have a building, but grateful that we do because we need a place for our kids because all y'all keep getting married and having babies, (laughs) and we just need more space. All right. Some of you are adopting babies, foster kids. We just keep growing with kids. All right, Luke 4, 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. When did he return in the power of the Spirit? After what? Fasting 40 days and 40 nights. So we're fasting five days, but if you want to fast longer, you can. You can fast for all of January. Silence. (laughs) And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. Jesus knew he was going to need spiritual strength to fulfill his purposes. How many know that? We can't fulfill God's purposes with natural strength. And the deception is we think we can. Mm. 
Fasting makes us spiritually strong and prepares us to do God's work. Fasting is an act of humility and consecration. Isn't that good? Fasting helps us become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Anybody need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Fasting brings revival. Uh, Fasting is healthy. This is important. It cleanses your digestive system from toxins and what you ate last night. Doctors consider fasting a cure for certain allergies and diseases. The discipline of fasting helps to break unhealthy addictions in our lives. Planning your fast. We're going to pray. We're going to commit. We're going to act. While fasting, we're going to focus. We're going to pray, replenish. I'm going to not, I'm not going to read the details here. Breaking the fast, you don't want to do that with a T-bone steak. Um, when you eat, you reintroduce solid food gradually. Your body will need time to adjust to a normal diet. Start with fruits, juices, and salad, then add more vegetables. Eat small portions throughout the day. Pray. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. We're going to be praying all week, beginning Monday morning all the way up to Friday when we have our night of worship. There'll be three times uh, each day of the week for us to pray. Monday, 7 a.m., 7 p.m., 9 p.m. There's a number that's going to appear on the screen. You need to write it down. Take your phone out. Take a picture of it. If you've never prayed before in your life, you need to call and get in on one of these calls. It's just 30 minutes, right? 30 minutes. Do we have the number? Is it on the screen? All right, so let's leave that up there. There's the number, fasting and prayer calls, January 6th through 10th. There's a code, pound sign, Monday through Friday, 7 to 730 7 uh, to 7.30 a.m., p.m., and then 9 to 9.30 p.m. The later time gives you time to get your babies to sleep in bed, and you can do the 9 o'clock, because we know that 7 to 7.30, you can't do it because you're trying to give baths for the kids and all that, for you who have those age kids, right? So how many are committing to pray during these times? All right, so we're going to hear you on the call. Now, listen, if you've never prayed out loud and you feel uncomfortable about that, that's fine. Be on the call and at least be present so that as you're listening, God inspires your faith. And some of you may pray. There's a young lady here. I won't call her by name, but she got on a prayer call one time and I was up to lead that day. There'll be different leaders each of the times. So three times every day, all the way through Friday won't be a call. It'll be that call in the morning, but that night will be at the church. But I asked, I said, is anyone on the call? She was the first one on. There was just silence. And then she said, I'm here. And I said, why don't you pray? And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm here. Right. But it, it, it was catalytic to jump-starting her prayer life. The first time I had to pray in public, I almost passed out. I had to open my eyes. I just felt like I was spinning, dizzy. But prayer is relationship with Jesus, right? And so to somehow sort of be reticent or retract from prayers, to retract from something that God has called you into. So don't be uh, deprived of that. Um, so don't stop praying. Trust God's faithfulness and timing. Carry your newfound passion for God throughout the year. Be in faith for God to answer your prayers. Then we have our plan. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. So fill this out today. Day one, your fasting option, water only, liquid only, one meal only, or other. So some people are going to do water only. Yes, Joan. All right. Thank you so much. Great way to scout. Isn't that amazing? The devil is so set on us not praying and fasting that he transposed the number so that when you would call, no one could do that. He tries to interrupt communication. But Joan, who leads prayer ministry in our church, got up and said, no, the enemy is not going to stop us from praying. That's how afraid he is of praying, that the entire church would be, second service would be here, not first service, and get the wrong number. So he's scared to death of us praying. 
as long as you step to the devil yourself and like, I got this, he's like, oh, bring it. He's not afraid of you. He's afraid of your big brother. Hmm. All right. Everybody got the right number. So call in. You can call all the times if you want, but do not miss out on this. It's going to help grow your faith. All right, so that's your plan. Then you get to this page. I'm thankful to God for answer prayers. So this is a list of answer prayers and lessons learned in 2019. This will fuel you praying and fasting for 2020. How many can write down things that God's done in 2019 that caused you to celebrate? I put up here property, a promise fulfilled. After 20 years of meeting in public elementary schools and movie theaters and places where they said you could stay, but then you couldn't when you got there. That goes on my list. The first day we have service in that place, we're not going to leave. Because there'll be no one to say there's another meeting happening. There'll be no movie starting. Some of you weren't there in the days of Gallery Place when we're giving a call to Christ and you hear a voice on the screen and we'll say, that's not God. That's the movie about to start. You have no idea. And yet God's been faithful with us every place. And he's trained us so that we don't need a building to worship him. Which means this is only a tool to serve them to reach our city. That's the first thing on my list. Second thing, protection. Preserve the life of my family. Near death moments and God was there. Has he done nothing for you for which you can say thank you? There ought to be something in you that looks to God and allows the enemy to be watching on the sideline. You ought to let the devil hear you praising God and giving God thanks. You ought to let all of hell hear you say, God, there's no one like you. Mm. 2020, I'm believing God for. Personal faith goals, my family, my education, my career, my family, my ministry. This is the pursuit. And then every day there's a devotion. I list the people's names I'm praying for. Chibusi is at the top of my list because he got born again at my house uh, a couple of weeks ago. And his, his brothers in full time. Chibusi, stand up. All right. CJ, stand up. And that's sister too, right? Is that sis? All, the whole family, stand up. Come up on stage. Come on. They, they're, they're, just, they're, they're listening to me write things down, but they're not really taking it to heart. So if you come on up here, where's that mic? This is the sermon now. You, you just, some of you think, when are you going to start preaching? Well, you're late if you haven't figured it out. Yeah, tell everybody your name and where you went to school and what you do now. What Hi, you majored in and all that. Hi, everybody. My name is CJ. Um, I went to University of Maryland for undergrad. I did psychology. Any Terps? No? Four people. Uh, so, and then I went to GW for grad school. Um, some GW. Uh, so, I did, yeah, psychology for undergrad and organizational sciences for grad school. And in my last semester of grad school, God radically showed me what he wanted me to do. So now I'm doing campus ministry. Um, that was not my original plans, but we know that when God has plans, it's usurps any plans that we have. So, um, yeah, so now I'm doing campus ministry, and this is my brother and my sister. All right. Sister, say hello. Shibusa, you go last. All right, yeah. Hi, my name is Chikarama Murita. Um, so I went to Bowie State University, biology major. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I'm doing what? What am I doing? I'm at uh, yeah, George. No, uh, actually, Washington Hospital Center is okay. Um, and I am a administrative assistant. Great, Shibusi. Uh, so my name is Shibusi. Uh, oh, oh. Short, sweet, to the point. Tell everybody yes, what happened. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I majored in uh, management information system in, uh, at Bowie State. I went to grad school there and undergrad. Um, right now, I'm in a transition in my life. Uh, I recently left my job, and uh, I'm looking forward to what's next in my the next stage of my life. So, um, quite recently, um, I had a near death kind of uh, experience. Uh, I got uh, robbed at gunpoint. Um, luckily, I was, not luckily, thanks to God, I was able to walk away with my life. Um, and that's the most important. But yeah, hopefully uh, I get to use the second lease on life better. You get me? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, when you were at our home, so we had a Christmas party for all our staff at our house. And we told our staff, bring your family with you. So he's on staff, so he brought his family with him. So Chibusi came to that. During that moment, as we were wrapping up, I talked about what it means to be family, yeah. spiritual family. Afterwards, Chibusi grabbed me and said, can we talk? What you said about community resonates with me. I need that desperately. Yeah. Then what happened? Yeah, I uh, came to Jesus. Uh, I accepted Jesus. <laughs> And it's all thanks to my brother. Uh, he's he's a leader in both this church and in our family too. And uh, yeah, and they, that's powerful for me to say as a firstborn. And he, you know, and I'm older than him, you know. So it's a good guy. Good guy. Give him a hand. Thank you. So if you don't know, Nigeria is Nigeria in the house? I say Nigeria. Of course, Nigeria. Nigeria is everywhere all over the world. Chibusi pulled me aside and said, I need this community. So the starting point for me is to talk about where community comes from. Community is family and family starts with God. And if you don't have God, you don't have family, not in the way God intended. And he surrendered his life to Jesus right there in my home. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and God ministered to and began to delete and remove some unclean spirits from his life. Now we're going to start doing the one-to-one. He's starting the new year right. Yeah. Starting the new year right. Um, mm. Lord, I thank you that this year would be marked by your presence and power. That this week of prayer and fasting would be transformational. You'd open our eyes. That we would no longer be content with how well we see. But we would acknowledge wherever we're blind, open us. We want to see and perceive who you are. We want to be filled with you. We want to be a community that, that knows your pleasure with us. Because we live not to please ourselves, but to please you. And to that end, we do whatever is necessary. We put boundaries in our lives. We, we, we commit to being in a small group. We allow someone else to pour into us to help us grow in our um, following of you. Help us. Amen.
All right. Nigeria used up all my message time, so. <laughs> Just kidding. Love Nigeria. Uh, Chris and I went there in 2014. Uh, we have a church in Nigeria. It was a conference, 5,000. And uh, they gave us Nigerian names. So he is Chibundi. And I'm Ekechuku. And um, literally, it was a ceremony where we got names. And worshiping with 5,000 Nigerians, wow. <laughs> they prayed for an hour before the service started. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the guy on the stage. I'm saying the guy on the stage was praying, and 5,000 people were praying. And I said, how do we take this back home? Yeah. I said, Chris, if we prayed like this, we'd change our nation overnight. They, they were all on their feet crying out to God with sincerity. And we just, we could hear it. We went and stood in it. And it, uh, Tashira started off in worship by saying, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? In America, we're so comfortable with coming to God without thinking our hands need to be clean or our hearts need to be pure. And then we wonder why he doesn't hear but in Nigeria, they were just crying out to God. Then the worship went an hour. So our worship team did three songs, 20 minutes. That's the warm-up in Nigeria. They went for an hour. Then I said, how long do you want me to preach? Preach, brother. Preach. Preach, brother. Go. I feel like I'm in Nigeria right now. I just want to like, who cares? I can't wait till we get our own building. Well, we have it. No. We're in somebody else's space. But, uh, and we saw mir miraculous things take place. Even the trip over, flight attendant got healed on the plane of her hearing. Chris and I prayed for her and God healed her. Her ear opened up. And we knew it was true because the rest of the flight attendants kept coming back. Who are you guys? And what, here, can we give you wine? We're like, we're good. They're like, okay. Can we sit, they would sit down and talk about their marriage, everything. This is when living with God is more than your nine to five. I'm so bored with the nine to five. I'm so bored with the American rat race. Dude, don't get to the end of your life and have a spouse, kids, money. And God says, mm, here's what I wanted for you. But you were busy, full. Tomorrow, I'll get to it. When God asks you to do something, you're never going to feel like saying yes. That's one of the indicators you know it's him. You all writing this down? All right, Luke 11, 1, 2, so you can't leave this place. He didn't even read the Bible to us. He didn't even open up the scripture. He ain't open, no Old Testament, no New Testament. All our religious people. <laughs> you know that Jesus, when he preached sometimes, he didn't quote scripture? It's now scripture because he said it. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. I'm not going to mess with you. I'm not going to mess with you. All right, it's 12.06, we're beginning to close, even though I'm just getting started. We're going to stay on prayer for this month, so. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Stand, let's read it together. <clears throat> the only reason I'm having you stand is to honor God's word and to bring our attention to him. 
Okay, let's read. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Good. All right. Please be seated. All of you know that prayer. We're still going. You're like, wait, where's the rest? Where's the rest? Let's start with just this part. Jesus prays. Why do we pray? Because he prays. Everything he does, when you read Jesus, it's not just to be enamored with him. It is to follow the pattern. If you want to know the intended life, it's to pursue him and look at everything he says and does as practice for us. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, said one day Jesus was praying. When he finished, they saw him praying. When he finished, they said, teach us to pray. The same way that John, who baptized you, your cousin, taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus prays, John prays, followers of Jesus pray. And prayer is something that must be taught. We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. Jesus prayed, and his prayer was relational because he said, when you pray, say, Father. The beginning of prayer is not mechanical. It's not a form. It's not beads. It's not repetition. It's relational. And not only is it relational, it begins with Father. Now, when you think about the relationship that Jesus has with the Father, he himself says, the Father and I are one. Talk about proximity. So prayer is the opportunity for us to experience oneness with our Father. What's amazing is, in another place, if you put that verse up, Matthew, he says this about prayer. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. Amazing. He's looking at sinful man who by the grace of God is following him. And he says of sinful man who's unlike God, say our Father, which is him saying, you are my brothers. We're siblings. You're my brothers, you're my sisters. That's the, the organic nature of prayer. It's highly relational. And for many of us, we need to realize that when we're called into prayer, it is a call to relate to God as Father. There can be for some of us, on some level, all of us, some more than others, the challenge of regarding God as Father. Because our own experience with our own fathers becomes the, the mindset, the view through which we can view God. Our fathers are imperfect, and sometimes we pass that imperfection onto our view of God, but he's perfect. Your father may have been absent. God says, I'm always present. Your father may have abandoned you. God says, I'll never leave you, never forsake you. So you have to get over that hurdle of what your father isn't in relating to who our father really is and not hold anything against your own dad that would preclude you 
from relating fully to your own father. The fullness of fathering comes from him. No matter who your dad is, isn't, was, will be. Isn't that good? It's a great day in your life when you stop putting your hangups on God as father that came from some other person. And when you can forgive that person and realize they probably needed the fathering that I now need. And if they had had it, they might have fathered me different. But it's going to be different from those that I get to lead. Amen? Amen. So he says, Father, when did he pray? He prayed early, when it was still dark. He prayed late. He prayed all night. He prayed in private. He prayed with others. He prayed when he was overwhelmed. He prayed when he was anguished. He prayed always. There's no time not to pray. You ever prayed when you were in anguish? Anybody? You ever prayed early? You ever prayed late? You ever prayed all night? I mean, there are things that will bring you to an awareness of, I need to pray. I remember one time praying in anguish. Um, my wife and I heard news of a family member, and I was so angry. I mean, I could, I could, you know that anger when it just starts boiling down low, and it starts coming up, and you know whatever comes out your mouth is not going to be good? Does anybody know that? Some, seven of us. Wonderful people here. You're so good. I'm glad that never happens to you, that you never say anything that you... And as it was coming out, I said, I'm going to elevate my voice, so don't be shocked. God, I'm so angry. Huh? When is this family member going to get it right? And I went on for about 20 seconds, and I felt better. And I said, oh, so I prayed while I was in anguish, rather than go do something stupid in anguish. Maybe that doesn't help you. Mm -mm -mm. Does that help anybody? Yeah. Overwhelmed. How did he pray? Quietly? Loudly? Who? To the Father, for himself, for us, for cities, for nations, for God's will to be done. Okay. Here's a verse, and we're going to land it on this one and pick up next time. Mark eleven seventeen. And as he taught them, he said... Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? Jesus is describing his house. In the Old Testament, a temple was built. And when the temple was built, uh, it was called the house of God. Jesus comes in the New Testament, and his house is not a physical dwelling. In fact, Jesus himself says, how can you make a house for me? Uh, Heaven's my throne, the earth's my footstool. What kind of house would you build for me? But he gave uh, instruction through David to his son Solomon to build God a house, a place where God's presence and power would rest and remain. I want God's presence and power to remain on the house of Grace Covenant. I don't want to worship and he not be present. I don't want to preach and he's not here. I don't want to serve and God's nowhere in the room. He said, my house should be called a house of prayer. The emphasis is on prayer. I'm asking that in this season, as we pray this week and this month, that there would be a revival in this church with respect to prayer. That we would be people of prayer. 
I just recognize there are things that need to happen in us in the way of intimacy with God and in the way of influence of God and also increase that will only come about as we become a people of prayer. Now, I know you pray, but there's something about the water level rises where there's a shift in the climate and there's a change and we start to go, there's something happening. We're praying and now we see God working in a way that we had not seen him before we chose to pray, right? And so he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. He didn't say a house of preaching or teaching or leading or any other form of serving. He said prayer. Why? Because all those things should flow out of a life of prayer. Preaching should flow through prayer. Teaching should flow through prayer. Serving should, worshiping, it should all flow through prayer. He said, that's what my house should be called, a house of prayer. And then he said this, for all nations. I begin to think about that. Australia's in the house. If I call your nation, just give some shout that might be from your nation. So we'll do it again. Australia's in the house. <laughs> good. Stand up, Australia. Let's see Australia. Australia's in the house. All right. Croatia. I was with Croatia. I had lunch with Croatia yesterday. Croatia not in the house. All right. Um, Germany. Come on, Germany. Germany's in the house. Nigeria. Come on, stand up, Nigeria. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Nigeria's in the house. Come on. All right. We got Germany, we got Australia, we got Nigeria, uh, Jamaica. Yaman. Where I go? Philippines. Is Philippines in the house? Come on, Philippines. That's what I'm talking about. Mala King Pa'a. Great. Latin America in the house. Latinos. Come on. Now listen, Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He was reproving his generation to say, somehow you've missed my heart for the nations. My house is a house of prayer. That's what it is. And it's a house of prayer for all nations. Why else does he say, go make disciples of all nations? America is a nation of nations, which is why we can have a moment like that here. But here's what he said. When you pray, say. So when Australia says, our father, God's their father. Jesus is their elder brother. When Nigeria says. That makes Nigeria and Australia brothers and sisters. You cannot as a nation say our father and disown your relative. God says, how can you say you love me who you cannot see when you don't love your brother Nigeria, your brother Australia, your brother Germany, who you can see? So the hostility among nations is not from God. That's a lie that came from the pit of hell to breed separation from God and separation from one another. So let's go there. When the European American says, can, hold on, hold on. where are my European Americans? Stand up. When my, stay standing, stay standing. When my European Americans say, Jesus is pleased to call them brothers. And if you are his brother, how dare you speak against his other brother? You can be seated. 
When the Latino American says, where are my Latino Americans? Como? Okay. Muy bueno. Good. Como? Padre. Padre. Father. Padre. So when the Latino American says, Padre, they become the brother and sister of everybody else who calls on God. If you call on God as your father, but you resist the other family members, you might want to check if you're still a son or daughter. He takes it serious. That's why he says, how can you say that to me who you can't see when you hate the one who you can? He won't tolerate it. When the African-American says, that's a lot of y'all here. Stand up. Where are you? Come on. Where are you? And now I want my, my European Americans to stand again. All three of you. So when the European American says, loud, when the European American says, and when the African American says, you're brothers and sisters. So give a shout of praise for that. Now, have a seat. Here's where I'm going. Because we're in the same house, because we're brothers and sisters, and I had to walk through this some 30 years ago, when I became part of this church, it was predominantly European-American. The lead pastor was European-American. And six of us who showed up were African-American men. And when the European-American lead pastor began to preach God spoke through him and hit my heart. Of the six of us, three said, I'm not staying. And three of us said, this is home. And the three who left, their primary reason was, that's a white man. I'm not listening to the gospel. God gave three of us grace to say, I don't care his ethnicity. That truth hit my heart. He's my pastor. When the church gets this right... The culture changes in the church. The climate is different here. And when you go to work now, you really go to work. And you start tearing down the dividing wall of hostility, not because of your knowledge, but because of your relationships that you're demonstrating all week long. We're a church full of nations. And God wants to save our nation. But he starts with his home base, the fort. This is where he starts to work. So we have to be very intentional about loving one another and not letting what's outside in the culture to be secondhand smoke and we come in here and choke each and cough out on each other. Yeah. But pastor, you haven't been watching the news. Watching the news, before there was the news about things, I walked through stuff as an African-American man growing up. So I don't have to watch the news to know. But I know what God does when he heals the heart. And then he causes you to do what he does. Go love those who hate him. You see, to reject your brother, you have to reject the idea that Jesus actually chose each of us sinners and decided to call you a brother before you knew how to act and live right. And then he says, follow me. So that means you got to go treat somebody like your brother even when they ain't yet acting like your brother. 
Sorry, all my English professors. That's real, isn't it? And then we have to educate one another. When you say that, this is what that means. Oh, I didn't know that meant that. Yeah, that means that. Yeah, call me Dunnell. Don't call me boy. That doesn't go well. It just it stirs up stuff. We have, to, we have to have those honest conversations that people just don't know. Guys, we can't talk about this in church. We're going to talk about it. You want to go to club? You want to go to bar? It's real. But it's just about the relational dynamics that we begin to walk out. And then it's everything else. So my, I, I, I'm, I'm way over. So I'm going to finish with this. Marianne, hold me accountable. I'm stopping, all right? Last story. I'll look for the thumbs up. My wife and now my children um, have joined forces with her to help me um, to be healthy. Um, I love your playing. I don't know if it'll go along with this, but we'll see. Most of you know this story, so just ignore this part of it. It was one day. I always start a story with one day, once upon a time. My wife said to me, all of our kids were born at this time. The baby is now not a baby. She's 19. So she was in a high chair, learning how to form words. She said, it was the first time she ever told me. We've been married a long time at that point. Did I ever tell you I was a vegetarian before we got married? I said, no. And I'm not sure why you're bringing it up now. I gotta go. She said, I want to make some changes. It'll be okay. And I came home one day, and my kids were at the table. To say words I wasn't able. She went cold turkey. Without the turkey, it was just cold. There was no milk. There was only silk. Not a piece of meat anywhere. She smiled at me, and in my heart I said, I don't care. <laughs> All my religious people are going, you can't do that in church. God's not religious. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I'm not. I don't care. <laughs> I'm Donnell. And so... Ruben, you're amazing. Any good? Give Ruben a hand. <laughs> so I put my hand on the door and I opened it. And it was nightfall, and our kitchen, that door led to the backyard. She said, Where are you going? I said, I'm going out back. She said, Out back where? I said, Out back steakhouse. <laughs> and my kid said, Daddy, bring me some fries. <laughs> Fast forward, I've seen them all. Netflix, fat, sick, and nearly dead. Forks over knives. What the hell? Go ahead, run them off. You know. Fat, 
sick and nearly dead. It was a guy, I think he was from Australia. He had like 14 medications he was on. He was obese. He juiced for like 60 days, lost weight, got a clean bill of health. Doctors took him off all his meds. I thought, man, that's inspiring. But it didn't make me change. And, um, and I saw all the others. And then my daughter, Gabriella, said, Dad, you need to watch Game Changers. That's the latest one. And I realized that Game Changers was the one I was missing. You see, my view of all the others, although they were good, it was about an aversion to. An aversion to bad health, an aversion to sickness, an aversion to disease. It was about an aversion for something. But Game Changers was about a pursuit. It's about running after something. And I said, that's what the church needs. We live our lives sometimes trying to avoid sin. And turning away is good. Less this, no more of that. But the running away from something is not the same as the pursuit of something. Moses and the children of Egypt were running from. But Joshua and Caleb and that generation, they were running to. What mode are you in? Are you running from or are you running to? See, Game Changers had these Olympians who were women running on the bikes and they came in bronze and they changed their diet. And as a result, I think they got the goal. And then this is why Gabriella wanted me to watch it. And I hit pause because there was an African-American man clean shaven in his 60s. And the 30-year-olds who were working out with him couldn't keep up. And I was like, all right, Gabrielle, I got you. I want to wear my grandkids out. That's how strong I want to be. And I want 20-year-olds to try to keep up with me. Now, I'm not talking about physical health right now, although fasting helps with that. But what I'm saying, what the leaders of this house are saying, what we believe by the Spirit of God, what this man was praying and shared with me yesterday, are we just content with running away and just being just out of harm's way? Or is there a prize called Jesus that we're willing to pursue him and give it our all? And there are things we're saying no to, not just because it's wrong, not because it's not prudent, not because it's a boundary, but because I'm after you and I won't break my stride. I want to win. I want to win at the end of my life. I don't just want to have a big church. I want to win. I want Jesus when we're done to stand up and go, Woo! You ran your race as hard as I did. You gave up whatever was necessary to be the best follower of me. And you run just like I run. You pray just like I pray. You fast just like I fast. You love people just like I love. You judge like I judge. You heal like I heal. Everything I do, you do. And no one can tell you from me. And you've learned to embrace trouble in your life just like I do. You're no longer on baby food. How about 2020 be that year? How about 2020 be that year? You're going to have to link up. It will not happen if you're off in a corner by yourself. This man and I, we met when he was a senior at Howard University playing football. Some of you were here a few weeks ago when he told his testimony about being at the end of his life. 
I would show up and he would just like, yeah, yeah. I've seen it for 30 years. I just, I know the look. But God said, keep praying for him. And one day we met and he said, I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus as Lord. And he's never looked back. And once you make God first, everything he has for you comes. The wife came. The three boys came. The business come. He can retire probably in what? Wait, y'all can retire what? Probably two years? Three years? Five years? <laughs> but that's not what he's pursuing. He's not pursuing retirement. He's pursuing the kingdom. It will get at it. There's some adjustments. When good coaching will look at you and go, all right, move your ankle in. And you'll be like, why? I'm like, do you want to be coached or not? You will know why after you do what I tell you. It doesn't feel comfortable. All right, go back down to JV. Don't waste my time. Come back when you get bumped around a little bit and say, I'm ready to play. Anybody ready to play this year? Chris. Father, there are people here this morning who want to run the race that you've marked out for them. And this is where you take a stand. If you do not know Jesus, if you do not know what it means to follow Jesus, if you think you're a Christian, but you would be honest and say, I'm really not following him, but today you want to you line up at the starting line. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you to begin this race. I'll wait. Anybody at all. I want to start this race with Jesus today. Second, I started the race, but I'm running down this thing with Twinkies, cupcakes, and <laughs> I'm not going PR. I, got, I, I mean, other things are first, not him. I want to start this fast by seeking him and turning away from all the junk that not, might not even be sin, but it's just not going to give me what he wants for me. Stand on your feet. Strong, Carlos. Strong, Tribusi. What's your name, young man? Abdul, you're a great man. God's got a call on your life. Anybody else? Strong. Strong. What's your name, young lady? Agnes? Agnes. In the back, what's your name? Oh, Ebony. Your head was down at first. What's your name? Imani? Anybody else? What's your name? Sharice? Sharika? These are ballers for Christ. I see Taryn. Anybody else? You won't be able to do this on Judgment Day. Pastor Don didn't tell me. You had a Bible. All you're standing come down from. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovdc.org.